Hello and welcome back to Seen and Heard. My name is Allison Tristo. I'm Western United Dairy's community field rep. Today we have a fun episode. I'm bringing on a veterinarian and a dairy nutritionist who actually happen to be husband and wife, Brad and Rebecca Bogdanich. They were a wealth of information and super fun to talk to. So let's go ahead and get into the episode. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. Hi folks, hope you had a great week. Milk flows remain pretty strong in the Midwest. We're hearing uh, pretty mild weather there. Reports suggest manufacturers are picking up plenty of uh, fluid supplies and milk at a discount, keeping cheese, butter, and powder inventories pretty ample. At the same time, contacts are suggesting domestic demand is weakening. Uh, We're past Super Bowl business for the most part and obviously past the holidays. Export business is also said to be slowing as international competitors uh, slip closer to U.S. pricing. We're hearing of some uh, fairly aggressive offers um, out of Europe for both cheese and powder. As a result, our domestic markets in the spot uh, cheese, butter, and nonfat plunged this week. We're back down to the lowest level in over a year. We lost 16.5 cents on blocks down to 183.50. 12 and three quarters cents on barrels down to 158. Butter got hit too, down 10 and a quarter to 232.25. And nonfat lost eight cents to 117.50. So, really, just no good news uh, in our dairy markets this week. Uh, as a result, our futures markets took a bit of a beating as well. Second quarter class three contracts are down to 1865. That's down almost 30 cents. Class four down to 18.40. That's a loss of about 65 cents. Um, stronger export sales are offering support over in the, on corn prices, while soybeans continue to moderate South American weather. Uh, friendly reminder: uh, If you have not signed up for the DMC or Dairy Margin Coverage Program through your FSA office, uh, please go get that done. It's now with the uh, markets coming down on milk and grain prices staying up, it's looking like that program uh, will be a good thing to have on hand. You have until January 31st to get that done. Uh, You can also look at the Dairy Revenue Protection Program as a way to put some milk prices and milk floors in place. Uh, Please reach out to me if you need any help uh, with either.
Did you know that you can turn your dairy manure into cash? Bennett Environmental is offering above-ground dairy digesters at no cost to you. These systems can also remove nitrates from your lagoons to help you comply with water board regulations. Our proven above-ground technology will generate income for your dairy into the foreseeable future. Because we truck the renewable natural gas off-site, your dairy can profit regardless of your location. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. So today we have on Brad and Rebecca. How are you guys doing today? We're doing well. Good. So let's go ahead and start with what both of you do and what your experience in your career has looked like. So um, I'm a dairy nutritionist, independent. Um, I own my own business. Um, we call it uh, Live Oak Nutrition. I've been a nutritionist for about 10 years or so now. Just worked with a different company and now I'm on my own, my own business. Prior stuff I did is I ran the university dairy at Fresno State when I was in undergrad and worked and dairy, the beef unit, the ag department area. Um, and then I've done some sales with um, chemicals for the parlor cleanup and some mineral sales through another company and sales. So that was all during schooling and stuff. And then when I graduated my master's, I became a nutritionist, which was my plan. And I um, have been a dairy vet for 12 years. I went to um, UC Davis, graduated from there and started practice with my dad, who was also a vet and worked for um, multiple herds. Right now, I have eight herds that I work for and my dad retired in, well, he officially retired in June, but he stopped working in February. And so um, the last couple months, it's been fun to kind of be on my own, start doing practice a little bit differently, not that different because he was uh, he is an amazing veterinarian and he still definitely helps me out, you know, with thoughts and ideas and that sort of thing. But um, I think that both of our businesses kind of um, came together. We started, Brad and I started, we have separate businesses, but we worked together on a couple herds and that happened um, when he started his own business seven years ago, six years, six years ago, six years ago, we really started working together more as a team that you don't, we don't, come as a team, but we work together on a couple parts. So that's awesome. You guys both have interesting careers. Uh, so how do both of your jobs help with herd health and milk production? We could start with you, Rebecca. So the big thing that I do on my, on the herds that I work for is I am there every week. And I know that some guys have, they're veterinarians out every other week, sometimes every three weeks, some guys it's once a month. And that's something that my dad established um, in his practicing career. He felt that he would not have a good grasp on what was going on on that facility unless he was there every week. And some, you know, a lot, so we're doing herd checks. So I'm checking cows with the guys, you know, pregnancy checks. Um, and so I'm on, on farm one to two hours a week. And the big thing that I try and do is just notice little, little things. 
that help with herd health. So the overall herd health of the animals and something that Brad pointed out the other day, we were talking about it. I tend to see the individual animal. And so I'll go through a pen and I'll be like, dang, that one's lame. That one's skinny. That one's this, you know, and tell him on the herds we work on together. And then he actually looks at more of the overall picture. And so I think my job as far as herd health and milk production, it's just monitoring. It's one more set of eyes coming out there um, every week, <clears throat> marching through there, just taking notes. And I think that there's little bitty changes that can have big impacts on both of those things on health and production. And that's kind of what I look for or the little things that there's not very often that there's a big crisis on a herd. I feel like having your veterinarian around is like an insurance program. Um, mm -hmm. But when there is, then it's useful to have us around. I, in my opinion, I mean, I'm a vet, so I feel like I'm useful, but <laughs> um, the other thing is too, there's some herds that I am on or I was on. I don't do it so much anymore, but I was on once a month. Well, if they have a, disaster happen there I don't have a scheduled time that I'm out there and so it's harder they're not necessarily it's not I don't want to say they're not as high priority but they're not they're not really in the mix and it's going to take us longer take me longer to figure out what the heck's going on versus if I'm out there every week like for example a couple of years ago we had a herd and they had a outbreak of uh, clostridium in their calves they had and ended up having 120 head die um, wow. in an, uh, like two weeks, just boom. Like they had 60 die overnight. And that's one of those things. That's a herd. I'm out there twice a week, uh, sometimes. And so when he called, I had just been out there. So I had, see, you know, kind of seen what was going on, check off for, and, and move along faster versus on a new herd, you know, or a herd you're not on as frequently it's just slower it's a slower process when stuff like that happens yeah that so. totally makes sense if you're out at a dairy weekly or bi-weekly you could see the changes happening versus not as often mm -hmm. yeah it and like i said you know some herd checks i mean you're out there you're talking about football you're talking about politics you're talking about the weather you're not necessarily going to be talking dairy all the time but i think most veterinarians when they're out there you know they're while they're talking about this they're also looking at hoof health utter health um one thing that my dad always did that i loved is he we'd start a herd check and he'd say so what's new and that really opened it up for or he'd say what's your somatic cell count or you know he just had these open-ended questions that would just lead these guys in before you know it, you know, you've covered a whole slew of topics and you're also checking cows. So it's kind of a, you know, you have nothing else to do but talk. Um, yeah. And I think that things come up that wouldn't necessarily come up if you either um, weren't out there as often or cause yeah, it's just a little overwhelming when you're not there as often. So I think that in general, you can have a healthier herd if that's kind of how you run things. Yeah, makes total sense. Uh, what about you, Brad? How do you feel um, nutritionists help the um, help with herd health in milk production? So one thing unique with me is that it seems like every year is a different year, which is different forages come in. We have different economics, you know, cost of ingredients, and so a lot 
one thing I do a lot during different seasons, we're also testing a lot of their feeds. And so we figure out what we have, what the quality and how much. So every year it's kind of a revolving door that we, the, what I do all the time is I'm in charge of, you know, the nutrition and sometimes things stay pretty, pretty consistent, but you know, when things change cost wise, we'll make small minor adjustments. The overall foundation is similar. This, the, the style of how I do things, but we'll just tweak based on what we're ahead with. And that's just kind of what I do. It's just continuous. Every month I check up, you know, clients and see what's going on. Um, just walk around, make things are presented right. And just when things, when things are quiet, things are rolling well. And then uh, every visit, I try to communicate with the client, either they, you know, let's meet up and talk, or if you can't be there, if, like my schedule is lined up with his schedule, at least give me a list of things to look at, and then I'll report back. But usually within a month, I meet with the client face-to-face or in the office chatting about things and going through that. And that's just on farm, let alone the text messages, the phone calls, you know, I may make a change and follow up afterwards. And so the nutrition is a very big part of it, but it's, you know, then every time we're on a facility and something comes up, I was trying to find a way how to make them better. Mm-hmm. If there's a little concern, you know, ask the owner, are you happy? Is there anything you want to get better? Um, is there any, you know, find their concerns and what the wants and then try to find ways to improve it. And so on a herd health, I'm always trying to find a way to make it better and economically, you know, if I spend six cents, if I can make 20 cents or 12 cents, then it's an economic decision. And I'm always trying to push them to go higher. And now some clients just want to are happy, they're consistent and they want you just to, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to go any bigger, any better. And you just kind of, you're there to maintain health animals. And you just talk about mastitis, um, foot health, um, and then just changing milking protocols and rotations and how to, so when I make a suggestion to improve the herd dynamics, then I know, and then I have to make sure my rations could support it. So it's just kind of, I'm always trying to find a way to make them better. Healthy wise, you know, have less cows get, you know, cold off the herd. And so just every year I'm always either going to work on milk cows or work on the heifers, dry cows, calves, just anywhere to step up the next level. Got it. So as a vet and a nutritionist, how do both of your jobs collide in either working together or even what are challenges of um, a vet and a nutritionist working together? We're both laughing because it's dicey. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's so dicey. I I think one of the the big things um, is that you're constantly trying to not step on each other's toes. And for example, a huge area would be the transition program. You know, you have these cows that are in the close-ups, they're going to calve any minute, and then they come fresh, and they have to transition into that high string. And I'm looking at herd, the health of the animal and the overall health of um, how these girls, you know, are they coming in? Do they have utter edema? Because that's a, that's a health thing. Um, you know, are they coming fresh with mastitis? Are they getting milk fever? Do they get ketotic? Um, are they having retained placentas? How is their calving going? Are they having too big of calves? Are they, you know, do they have DOAs? All of that. And then as the nutritionist, you can feed, the way you feed directly affects that transition. 
And so it gets dicey if all of a sudden I'm getting called because, or if I'm getting um, prescriptions because the guys do on farm do a lot of their own treatments, but I'm seeing, you know, hey, you ordered a whole bunch of calcium. What's going on? Oh, we have an increase in milk fever. Oh, you know, and then, and you don't always go straight to the nutritionist, but you know, are your pens, are your pens overcrowded? Is it hot? Are they older cows? Are they all sorts of, is the ration being fed properly? Is all sorts of things. But the problem is if you don't have a good, some nutritionists and vets, it's not some, it is so common for nutritionists and vets to just not get along. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> just... I, I, I have tried multiple ways to bring things up that don't sound offensive um, to some guys and some guys are just amped and they're going to get offended and I might not present it, present it well and it's, it's a headache. And so, you know, we always joke with each other, you know, like, hey, stay in your lane. But our lanes oftentimes run into each other. And so... Um, it gets dicey. And even, you know, like right now, um, we're having a lot more hoof problems because it's, it's, it's lame cow season. You know, they're coming off summer, um, fall is lame cow season. Well, that's something that you can also feed for as well. And so me as the veterinarian can say, hey, we have a lot of lame cows. And then immediately the nutritionist, well, I'm feeding fine. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's why that's not, I'm just saying we have lame cows, you know, and it, so it, it's dicey. And, and I, I think, you know, I, I have, I have very few nutritionists I work with at this point, and I um, have tried really hard to, well, obviously with him, you know, we work together and we have, we're, we do well together. Um, I know that there is, when there's been some guys who um, needed a nutritionist and I, and they wanted to hire Brad, but they were nervous that um, we've had him nervous that, you know, what if he doesn't do well and we fire him? Are you, and there are herds that I work for, are you going to get upset? And I'm like, this is what it is. You know, what are you going to do? Um, yeah. But it, it, I really think that if the veterinarian and the nutritionist can work as a team and yeah. work together, it makes things just run so much smoother. So why do you think it's so important for, all three of the dairymen, the vet, and the nutritionist to have a good relationship. Why is that so important? Because, so like one thing, like Rebecca said, that she sees individual cows, checks behind them and sees the individual. I am always trying to look at the whole picture and trying to fit all the puzzle pieces, economics, every, try to make everything work as a whole function. And my whole goal is, I mean, I'm trying to all, and I really focus on transition. And so you don't have the transition problems because if I do that well, then production goes well. And like feet, um, that's something that's like when people just say, oh, it's just feeding more zinc or just cows not breeding well, give more energy. When the veterinarian, and that's sometimes what happen, or either the veterinarian will tell the owner that and the owner just told me the vet says this. Well, I kind of need to know what is the vet seeing? Um, so I can know what, like I always tell people, there's like three different ways to go. I just need to know if I go left, right, or go straight, then I can handle the rest. I just need to know where to go. And so I think the biggest point about it is, is like, the, so it's like stay in your lane. We're going to be right next to each other, but 
don't, I tell myself and, and it takes years, it took years to do this. Don't be a, don't be trust that I'm doing everything right. I'm doing everything to my best of my ability. Don't be afraid to be fired. Don't be afraid that the veterinarian may not agree with you or the owner has questions. Just be honest with people telling them, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. If I'm not feeding this because I was told by costs from the owner, then we just need to all know that that's where it's at. And here's the things that we can happen. And that's where I talk about how to get better. Well, I said, this is perfect time. Well, if we spend this much money, we could make it better. And so when you get everybody on the same page, if the, if the nutritionist is sticks to be a nutritionist and overall health thing that way, not try and be the veterinarian and try to be overall controlling. If you have the veterinarian, the nutrition owner all together in the same team, then we all work together. The veterinarian can tell me what he's seeing on a visual cow. I can take that information and go, okay, here's on a feed solution size. This is what I could do. But we still have to fan, you know, and say, Hey, you know, if we mix our mixing better, if we do this in the wagons, we change pens or do this, then it all works because I could throw everything in the ration, but if it's not done right, it's not going to happen. So when you get all three together, because it takes the doctor to tell what's going on and then, you know, and then the owner needs to know because he, it's his facility. We are here for the owner and the facility. You know, I have my grand, I want to do everything this way, but if the owner doesn't want to do that, well, he needs to know why I want to do it and the parameter and what could happen if we don't do it. Here's the pros and cons. And so that's the whole team effort. We're only here to make the owner better. As long as you all work together, that's the biggest thing. And, you know, and there's also nutritionists that are veterinarians and they did that. And, you know, I'm not saying they try anything bad, but it's hard to play both roles. Mm-hmm. And so if you're, if you're a veterinarian that chose to go more nutrition route, there's some really good people that know nutrition enough to do things, but they're not in the daily, daily grind of it. I know enough veterinary medicine to kind of make suggestions and talk to people, but I don't know a fraction of what they know and same with the nutrition. There's so much more that's out there. And so it's good to stick with your expertise and there's cross paths, but all work. If you have the same folks, don't work, be confident what you do and confident for the owner. Then that's all you could do. And then as long as everybody talks, the ultimate goal is going to make the owner better. Yeah. More profitable. Yeah. I think, I think too, when we all get along, like for example, um, there's another nutritionist who used to be Brad's boss and I, I work with him on a herd. He shows up. We're all, we, I stop what I'm doing the dairyman comes over, we all hang out and chat. And while we're chatting, it's, it's not, um, we're talking about the dairy. And like I said, we might be talking about football. We might be talking about kids, vacation, whatever, but it comes back to the dairy. And so when you get along and you have that, that team kind of situation or like there's no tension or someone's trying to be more important or someone's trying to, you know, get somebody else fired or whatever, when you want to hang out with each other like that, or you enjoy each other's company, then you really get places. You know, like yeah. there was one, one time um, I was checking cows at a place and Brad came up for his um, visit for that two weeks. And we were standing there and we were all saying, you know, that fresh cows just don't look that great. And we're standing there staring at the fresh cow pen. And all of a sudden Brad says, 
hey, why don't you open that gate so they have more room and they can lay down more? And then maybe they'll look better. And we're all like, oh, that's a good idea. And then we started talking about whatever after that. And then Brad goes on his way. We go check cows. That guy had those cows move that gate open. He had to move another pan out. But, you know, he had that all situated and worked out by the end of the day. And so by the time I came back next week, I was like, wow, these things look great. They have more room. They're more comfortable. And just little things like that, that because you, you get along. So, you know, like, if I didn't like Brad or I didn't like this uh, Claudio, the other nutritionist, if when Claudio drives up, I'd just be like, oh, I am out. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to see you. And that's not going to benefit the herd at all because he and I should have the same goals. And so, and, and the dairymen, I've heard dairymen say before, you know, oh man, yeah, I eat my veterinarian. They're just mean. And I'm like, why do you have them? You have to hang out with them for hours, you know? Um, and I think, I think that I, one of the, the things I tell guy, the guys that I work for when they're going to hire someone like a nutritionist um, is just make sure you get along. Just make sure that you don't dread calling that person or if, um, if you know that there, there's a problem and I'm going to have to call them, you know, just don't hire a jerk because you need to be able to work with them. And, or if, you know, just, you have to trust them because we are making big decisions. And that's another thing, you know, there's so many, you know, there's an endless amount of products for your herd and most of them work okay, but you can't use every single one. And so yeah. you need to trust the people that you hire as well. And so I really think that creating that, group of consultants that that dairyman is going to trust and he's going to enjoy their company because let's be real you spend a lot of time together and yeah. um you know i think that that is really important um because that way you're not fight every decision isn't a fight mm -hmm. you know if and brad and i don't agree all the time and um <laughs> sometimes some guys think that's awkward but <laughs> In reality, um, you know, we shouldn't agree all the time. We're both professionals. We have our separate businesses. We have different views on things, but we should be able to discuss those disagreements cordially. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, that that is so important because, like I said, if you have, you know, you're, you're not going to get anywhere if everyone's just fighting and trying to prove that they're better than the other guy. Yeah. You, no decisions will be made. And the, the, the dairyman is the one who ultimately needs to make these decisions. And I mean, if he's stuck between a rock and a hard spot, you know, it's, it's nothing. It's going to be really hard to, it's just going to be miserable mm -hmm. to yeah. deal with that. Definitely makes sense to work together and move forward together. When I think so, too, you know, Brad, hmm? sorry, continue. Sorry. Um, I was going to say, I think too, you know, Brad and I went to a lot of schooling and like Brad was saying, we have we have a lot of insight in our particular fields that may or may not work on every herd. But if you don't get along with your consultant or you know your veterinarian, you're not going to know half the stuff that they are able to. And maybe you know a lot of the stuff. Like um, I love it. Your dad taught me this. He's like, you're going to give me ideas, and I'm going to say no because they're not going to work on my place, and that's okay. And I'm like, hey, that's what I'm here for. You know, I'm just. But so they, the dairyman needs to make sure, make those ideas work on his herd. But it's my job as the vet to go to continuing education, to go and see different facilities, to go and do, do all of this and to just spit out these ideas at you. And if you don't like your veterinarian, 
you're not getting the full benefit of what you're paying them, in my opinion, because you're just you're just having them check cows, get in, get out. And there's there's a lot, I think, of benefit that you could get um, on your herd if you are willing to sit and chat. But if they're if you don't get along or, you know, you don't trust them or whatever, that's not going to happen. You're not you're paying a lot of money to not get the full benefit out of stuff. Yeah. That makes total sense. So, um, Brad, with feed costs rising, uh, what kind of challenges and solutions have you been facing and coming up with uh, for the producers? You know, um, it's it's a it's a painful subject. Every month we talk about it because the feed bills are so high. Yeah. But the thing that's interesting is, I have not. Uh, I guess I've actually pushed harder on cows with the higher feed costs. If it makes sense. I mean, there's things that we can make, we may change not save instant money, but right now everything's so expensive. Everything's so high. There's nothing, there's nothing that's cheap and economical right now where you could save six to 12 cents and probably not and maybe lose a little bit of milk, but you're still money ahead. Mm-hmm. At, at this point, you could save six cents, but you could lose 25 with these yeah. with milk price being so high. This is all because milk price is high right currently. So I really haven't um, ratcheted. I really haven't reduced costs to make lower end stuff. Actually, I've been stepping up and making things more aggressive. And actually, it's been e- return on investments higher. But with all it said, is like cotton seeds are very expensive right now. There's a point where it's um, not economical to buy. So I could pull it out, save some money, make some changes, go ahead. And they say, what about this? I said, well, let's make the change, see how cows perform, then let me make my minor adjustments and to adjust the ration, which may only cost five cents. And but we saved 25 to 30. And so there's still net profit right there. And so everything I'm doing is just is what's the return on investment and milk price. So in reality, I'm actually pushing the the overall ration quality is a lot higher quality wise. The thing I am facing is our water situation where we don't have as much forages. And so I'm, so you're learning to feed less forages and be, and do that way. And so it's just managing forage, don't feed too much. Um, that's my biggest thing. It's more on the forage, the, the forage side of the ration versus cost. So um, if they have to buy an expensive forage, how can we maximize it and feed the least amount as possible? Got it. So it's just that a little bit sense. of a joke. Yeah. But no, I haven't made like in other years where we had low milk price and high feed costs where you're doing kind of survival rations, I call them. I haven't had to do that this year. Everybody seems to want to push harder and be better. And more cows, less cows, more milk. Mm -hmm. So so I'm telling people, let's get less cows feed better. Less cows feed better. Less cows feed better. Got it. So Rebecca, during times, so I know Brad, you just mentioned you're not moving around feed too much. You're pushing on good quality food still, but in times that we do have to back off of quality because food costs are so high, 
Um, do you see an increase in um, herd issues when it comes to their health? Yeah. So one of the big things that um, we look, I look for the first thing to go is repro. Um, so those cows aren't going to be getting, they're not going to have the turnaround and get us get pregnant as rapidly. Um, you do see that a lot. Some guys want to take out their mineral. Um, and so we usually say, okay, you have about six months before you're going to see issues with that. Um, and the issues you'd see, you know, hoof health and repro and your production and that sort of thing. Um, but one of the big things that I try and tell guys is it's not worth it because if you crash a herd, I mean, it can be two years before you get that thing back on track. And so, um, if I start to, so again, being out there every week, we discuss this, you know, and so, so what I usually will say is, Hey, let's call some cows because you don't, so one of the big things that I've noticed is in my practicing career, I've never practiced in an era without sex semen. So we have heifers everywhere. And that is, um, that's an environment that, so my dad had to point out to me because I would say, why the heck do we have all these heifers? I mean, this is crazy. We're feeding these heifers. All these guys are feeding all these heifers and we don't need to. We just have way too many to repl for replacements for the herd. We could thin them. Well, because it used to be that the heifer program, you know, you had to have, you still do need a strong heifer program, but you, you didn't have that sex semen. So you didn't have guaranteed heifers coming all the time. Well, now we can look at things and going, hey, we can pair back on the heifer program because we know we're using sex semen. And so we know we're going to have an influx of heifers. We're going to have a steady heifers there unless things go completely south. Like you cut your ration, you totally mm -hmm. feed trash and they're not getting pregnant. So let's avoid that. Um, and then the other thing is too, you can look at your cows and say, hey, let's go through and I will start. I've done this before where guys have given me a spray paint can and they're like, mark the ones you don't like. Okay. And so I just go back there and I don't like her for this reason, her for this reason, her for this reason, you know, whatever. And then they can look um, at her record and say, well, you know what? She's milking like crazy. I'm not going to get rid of her. Okay. Um, or, you know, we, she's terrible. We're getting rid of her. Um, and, and I think that the big thing that I try and stress is let's not cheapen the ration because you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. In, in times like this, let's be more efficient with what we have. And so let's make the herd smaller. And a lot of times too, these places are overcrowded. And so many times we've had it where you decrease the overcrowding and those girls who are still there are gonna milk more. And it's not always a hundred percent, but you know, I it's pretty common. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I don't like to wait until we're in the midst of a train wreck. I like to discuss the plan, you know, and again, it goes back to I'm there every week. So we saw this coming, you know, I was at a herd check this week. And the first thing the guy says to me is, all right, it's time to dairy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what were we doing before? <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, um, and so he and I spent the entire herd check talking about, okay, what's your coal rate? Is it too low? And you know, what are your replacements look like? What is, you know, like, where can we, where, where can we 
do things to <clears throat> save costs, but not not go backwards. And and I think um, that again back to uh, Brad works on that herd with me, and so I called him right after the herd check, like I always do um, on the herds we work together on, and I said, okay, apparently we're dairying. And Brad's like, well, what is that? Mean? I don't know, but here we go, you know. And so just avoiding those things because I really don't think that's smart dairying at all. And I don't like seeing the cows sick. It really gets me frustrated. So the biggest Definitely. thing I think all together is that um, if we have to make cuts and they ask me to make things cheaper, I pull out the, the I take out the things that are not needed, necessity. You don't have to, not a nutrient, not a nutrient requirement take away things and start cutting back. But then I make notes when we did it and why we did it. And if we still have to make changes, I tell the client, if you pull out the mineral, here's your consequences. This is why I do it. And then at the same point, if you have conversation out other than just nutrition, just talking to dairy, he might say, Hey, I did this on the vac. I changed my vaccine or I changed on a veterinary side. Well, if I know the veterinarian, I'm like, do you, you know, we, and we talk, or I write down notes. So when something comes up, I might know it. Hey, it's this, the veterinary, and we all kind of talk together. And so that's the biggest thing is knowing what's going on and we can make notes of that. So I think when clients need to cut costs, I always look at, you know, the first thing they come to is in of course the feed side, because that's the most expensive of the bills. And so when I look at things, I tend to take away, First, start with things that are not needed and not a nutrient requirement. You still need protein, minerals. You got to have the basics. Start with some of the additives that have benefit, but they're not a, new, a requirement. And then I kind of go down the list. And then when I still get pushed, I always explain why I do what I do and, and be confident in what I do, why I choose these ingredients and things. And this is why. And then what I do is typically I will then take notes. Like we still made changes. So if there's ever an event, I know what I did. So I can relay back to the veterinarian that what was done by the choosing by the owner or why I chose to make the change because of whatever reason I might felt it's way better to save this and jeopardize and do this for these outcomes. And so, and then also if you have a relationship with a good relationship with your owner on a veterinary side and a nutrition side, vice versa. I could hear, Hey, the owner mentioned this, he cut this or couldn't find this vaccine or whatever for mastitis treatment. I could then let the veterinarian know, Hey, this is what I'm hearing. Do you know? And if the veterinarian is on a, we're, you know, it doesn't be a, like buddy, buddy, but just text message. Hey, the owner said this, he, you know, can't get this ingredient. You might need to be aware of this. And so that's where I think tying in working to your clients just a simple phone call, text. So when things are jeopardizing, you have to make costs or things are not available, which we've been struggling with this whole supply chain. We all know, and if we write down notes and, and the owner says, well, my herd's doing this, we can say, well, here's the reason why. Oh, okay, I forgot I did that is typically the answer I get. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, thanks for reminding me why I did what I did. Okay, and then you move on. So it's just being caught, yeah, and all together. So you tell veterinarian what happened. Veterinarian tells you, you tell the owner why everything was done. So good, no, you know, just simple notes. I have notes on every visit I do. And she does the same thing that 
we might talk about if you just had a bad day, something going on in the family. I mean, you just need to know these things because you're always trying to progress the herd. I mean, that, that yeah, definitely. So, so uh, before we wrap this up, is there any last uh, comments or anything else you guys want to tell the producers? You know, I think on our side is just is as as a nutritionist and and just make sure you 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 could stand working with your consultants. You don't have to be buddy buddy and go to the dinner and best no. friends. Actually, probably not being best friends is probably a better relationship. And if you happen to be friends and say like I have a, a buddy of mine, he hires me. I have to be okay if he fired me because of whatever reason, not to let personal life affect, you know, church life, um, family, anything like that. You have friends and you have work and you need to keep the two. And so just be open. If it's just a simple phone call, a text message, because if you get your consultants on the same page, it's just more enjoyable. And, you know, you might just want to talk about sports and stuff. And so when you get everybody together, you just have more people to ultimately make you better. And trust that if he, they, if your veterinarian has certain products he wants to feed, wants to use, trust you got to trust them, and that they're doing it for your herd and not because of an economic benefit that someone else may have. Or me, like if I have additives, trust that I, there's a reason for it, not because I get it's paid. I don't just you got to trust your consultants and be open, and the consultant have to be open with the client, saying this is why I do what I do. Yeah, I think. One of the big things that Brad and I have learned, and it's really, you know, my dad taught us is that you are responsible to your client. You're not responsible for them. And I think that as the dairymen, they, they need to have, it kind of sounds silly, but they need to have a buy-in with the decisions that are being made. I think, um, especially on the feed side, I think a lot of um, guys, well, on the vet side too, a lot of guys just want to have this full program where, hey, you don't have to worry. We're gonna, we're gonna do it all. Or you know, there needs to be there needs to be a team, and everybody needs to be mm -hmm. responsible for whatever is their job. And the dairyman's job is the one is to run the dairy, and our jobs are to give ideas on how that would best work for that herd. But our it is not our job to make the ultimate decision for this this herd, and so. Um, you know, in my arena, treatment protocols, I, I have treatment protocols I give guys. Everyone is different because I, you know, say, okay, you need, I need feedback. You need to tell me what's working, what's not working. And um, for that particular herd, and like Brad was saying, when he makes decisions on feed, like he said, am I going left, right, or straight? Like you got to, the dairyman needs to feel comfortable enough with his consultants and trust them enough that know that we're trying our hardest to make your herd better, but you also need to be trying to make your herd better as well. It's not all our job, but like you yeah. also have some, you have a lot of skin in the game and you need to acknowledge that. Um, and so if, yeah, if you don't, mm -hmm. if you don't trust your consultants or if you, if you even, you you know, see your nutritionist calling and you're like, Ugh, or your veterinarian kind of show up and you're like, dang, I'm going to get someone else to do herd check. It might not be ideal. Yeah. I, I just tell yeah. people when I do stuff, I'm like, I just try to tell my clients to be open with it. Like 
you know, if we're going to make a great decision, I tell them, let's make a great decision together. If we're going to make a bad decision, let's make it bad together. Bad decisions as a team. team. I used to joke, joke I'm like, you know, this is going to say this. Here's why I'm like, let's, he goes, let's make, and I go, let's make a decision, bad decision together. And he goes, sounds good. I always have them try to involve. And so, it, it, I mean, so when things, if things go not planned, we're doing it together and things go great. Like, well, you know what? That, that was a smart decision. And then I always tell them if I'm in a struggle, like if something's not lined up, I'm like, hey, I'm struggling with this to get this perfect. I let them know and say, here's where I'm at. This is going to be pros and cons. And, 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 or I tell them, I really like where this is going. I like these rations. I like the corn silage or whatever. I give them compliments where I'm at. So we kind of know where if I'm, and then some clients will call me like, hey, I know you're always telling me I'm struggling, you know, enough crude protein for the herd. I was able to do this and then they'll buy more canola or something. And so if I tell them what I'm needing and what I'm struggling with on their facility on a ration that's point, then they will know in future stuff, how to try to help me. And yeah. That's the biggest thing. And ultimately if I make healthy cows, then it helps the veterinarian out. So, and the owner, that's the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Well, thank you guys for coming on. I appreciate it. You guys gave out some really good information. Are you tired of hearing that the main way to save water is fallowing? Are you tired of seeing articles about how alfalfa and corn waste water? At Common Good Water, we combine the best-in-class subsurface drip system and precision crop management services, including pest control. Our verification program qualifies for public funding, and we want to help you continue farming in California. Contact your groundwater sustainability agency and ask how you can work with Common Good Water. Visit commongoodwater.com. Pacific Gas and Electric is here to remind you that signs keep you safe. Sections of our natural gas transmission pipeline travel underground and beneath agricultural land. For the safety of you, your family, and your employees, pipeline markers are placed to indicate the approximate location of the pipe as a reminder to use extra care. Removing a pipeline marker creates a serious safety hazard. To have additional markers placed or report damaged or missing markers, please call your PG&E account manager or our Agricultural Customer Service Center at 877-311-3276. To learn more, visit www.pge.com slash agsafety. Remember, signs keep you safe. Another thank you to Brad and Rebecca for taking the time to talk to us on the podcast. I hope everyone has a great week. And as always, you can contact me with any questions at allison at wudairies.com. And Allison is A-L-L-I-S-O-N. Thank you to the Western United Dairies generous business sponsors, The Morning Star Company, Holt of California, Farm Credit Alliance, PG&E, Arata, Swingle, Van Egmond and Goodwin Law Offices, Yosemite Farm Credit, F&R Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, California Dairy Magazine, 
Bennett Environmental, and Common Good Water. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. While Western United Dairies respects the varied views of our guests, please note that the opinions expressed in the Seen and Heard podcast may not necessarily reflect the positions of the Western United Dairies Board of Directors or our sponsors. If you would like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com. 